0: Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 17th day of December 2022. I'm your host, Mark Holland. Yes, that's a bit different of an introduction than normal, but you've probably guessed. We're going to begin our look back at the week, not only chronologically, but also with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And at least in part, given how much truly ugly there was this week, at least it's kind of nice to be able to start off with a bit of good. There are actually several good news stories today. The first one comes from the biggest country in South America, Brazil, where Brazilian president, and arguably the one that was actually re-elected, Jair Bolsonaro emerged from the Alvarada Palace in Brasilia over the weekend and spoke to protesters, and there are a whole lot of them, for the first time since those mass protests began following the theft of that election 41 days ago where he promised to fight to the death for Brazil and gave a speech, the likes of which we've certainly never heard here. Well, with one exception, there may be a phrase or two in here that will ring somewhat familiar. I'm here, he began, to listen to the people. My loyalty belongs to the people of Brazil, who, he said, are once again waving their flag proudly and have hope for their country's future. So now we must unite. Brazil, he continued, does not need more laws. The laws which we have must be respected. I am, he said, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. The armed forces are the last bastion against communism, and I think he's referring to the one that stole the election. They're loyal to the Brazilian people. Their duty is to defend our freedom we're facing difficult and painful decisions he said if it goes wrong it's because we as leaders have failed so do not criticize without being absolutely sure of what is happening and maybe that's another thinly veiled reference to the failure of america everyone he said knows what's happened over the last 4 years and what the supreme electoral court has said what's happening in our country is absurd it would be easy to install a dictatorship in brazil and he didn't say it but again i can't help but think yeah just look what happened to el nort And here we go. Does this sound familiar? So do not ask what I can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's you, the people, who will decide my future and what the armed forces will do. Saying that he can't authorize anything by himself, and it isn't a decision for one person alone. But 40 days of silence, he said, pained me in my soul. I've never seen people take to the streets demanding that a president stay. Usually they want him to leave. I've never seen anything like this. And he concluded, nothing is lost yet. I believe that victory will come within the law and the Constitution, saying, I will give my life for my country. Let's dedicate ourselves, unite, and seek a way out. Each of us do what we can to save our country. Onward to victory. And he warned them that they should not put up anymore with being treated the way they have been treating you. Nothing is lost. We will win. And there's good news today from the scientific front, too. Actually, folks, this is good news that your host has been waiting for literally longer than all of my adult life. But I expected to hear it a long, long time ago as well. Nuclear fusion has finally achieved what has been referred to for all of those decades as break-even, the point where somehow or other the energy that comes out of a fusion reaction in a lab is greater than the energy that it took to kick it off. Let's go first to the Zero Head Summary. There are several of them out there today, as you might expect. Producing energy through nuclear fusion has been a long-held ambition, it says, for scientists, engineers, and energy experts, and has figured prominently in science fiction, novels, and movies. Your host can't help but think fondly of Mr. Fusion at the end of the first of the Back to the Future movies, and no, folks, we're nowhere close to that yet. Although, come to think of it, we are past the date of that movie. If you remember, Marty McFly went forward to the future. At that point, it was the year 2015. In any event, the process involves fusing nuclei together, throwing off energy and lots of it, which would then provide abundant energy on planet Earth. And scientists have tried for decades to get nuclear fusion to happen in a controlled environment on this planet, as opposed to the interior of the sun, to produce a lot of electricity at a usable scale. However... As you might expect, there have been challenges. And up till now, science had not managed to produce more energy from the reaction than it took to kick it off. But as FT and now at this point others are reporting, and just maybe a more splashy announcement is expected real soon now, a recent experiment at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab in California, using the process called inertial confinement fusion, which involves bombarding a tiny Pellet of hydrogen plasma, deuterium, and tritium with the world's biggest laser array finally achieved net energy gain over the past two weeks that at least three people associated with the experiment. Yes, you've heard some of the numbers probably. These kind of fusion reactions produce a lot of energy, no long-life radioactive waste, and a small cup of this hydrogen fuel could power a house for literally hundreds of years. Oh yeah, and here's something you'll also hear. This may take us back to that song. Fusion reactions emit no carbon. Well, at least not of the booga-booga pseudoscience kind. And the latest experiment produced 2.5 megajoules of energy, about 120% of the 2.1 megajoules in the lasers required to kick it off. Although the data, scientists caution, are still being analyzed. Well, folks, that sounds very positive. It's certainly been a very long time coming. Is it possible that in this good news there could be bad or even ugly? Well, let's transition there with the Daily Mail headline. Is this the dawn of unlimited clean energy, they ask? California scientists make fusion power breakthrough after using world's biggest laser to replicate reaction that powers the sun, which, oh, here we go, could spell the end of fossil fuels. And down in the bullet points, it says fusion energy could provide a limitless and cleaner alternative to fossil fuels because it offers the prospect of abundant energy without pollution, or, here we go, greenhouse gases. The Daily Mail story ends with some propaganda about low-tech, I'm sorry, low-carbon energy for the next generation. Almost, folks, like if you manage to mix something in that is very, very high energy density with, uh, let's just say, completely uneconomical technologies, like, yeah, windmills and solar that produce less energy over their lives than it took to manufacture them, somehow or other, people might swallow the whole thing. And isn't it ironic that as the grid, nationwide and certainly worldwide, looks like it's about ready to collapse under its own planned obsolescent weight, we finally get a flashy high-profile story like this. Oh, and hey, guess what? If there's abundant low-cost electricity, just maybe they still might manage to coerce you into thinking there's an electric car, yeah sure, in your future. Well, or failing that, maybe the grid at least might survive. Zero Hedge piece had a link to GeneralFusion.com, which sounds like a politically correct science company if there ever was one. Commercially available fusion, says our thesis, has a role to play in meeting, what else, climate goals. We want to do more than just make some neat science experiments, they say. We want to improve the world. Which is fine, folks, but your engineer hosts would have far more faith in their science and their engineering if it wasn't all gussied up in the non-scientific PC goals. I mean, really, think about this. Nuclear fusion via inertial confinement may have finally achieved break-even, at least when it comes to the amount of energy required to ignite a fuel pellet. But there still isn't a windmill on planet Earth that has achieved that same goal when it comes to the amount of energy required to make it as opposed to what it produces over its useful lifetime. I'd have a lot more faith, folks, and engineers, and yeah, politicians too, if they could step back and actually see the entire forest rather than getting all obsessed about a single leaf on a single tree. And no, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting what's been achieved here or the incredible potential. I am, however... Very skeptical of the propaganda, the timing, and the way it's being packaged. One final pretty much purely good news story, except for the fact that we have to have it at all, which is bad news. And this is a follow-up of a natural news story I did a few weeks back. An international blood bank has now been formed for the unvaccinated, with members from at least 16 countries, because the demand for what is rightfully being called pure blood is skyrocketing. The new service is called Safe Blood Donation, launched by a Swiss naturopath named George della Pietra, Currently, it has members in at least 16 countries and a long-term goal of opening blood banks that provide its members with unvaccinated plasma. Because, yep, you know it, demand for pure blood has skyrocketed globally. And at this point, the Gateway Pundit notes they previously reported on a peer-reviewed Italian study, which found that 94% of people who experienced side effects after receiving mRNA vaccines had abnormal blood which contained foreign matter just one month after taking the Zyklon B. This next story is truly bad. It's certainly related, and it has to do with the situation that you may have heard about. It's taken a major turn for the worse. Will Savage Reeves, a New Zealand baby boy whose parents requested but were denied an unvaccinated blood transplant as part of critical surgery that he needs to live, has gone full-on totalitarian. A so-called high court judge has sided with, uh, get this, health sick officials who insist that the baby Will will get a transfusion of vaccinated blood against his parents' wishes. And that same so-called judge has granted the so-called New Zealand health system full control in the form of guardianship over Baby Will. I heard the audio of the theft or the kidnapping, folks. It was truly horrifying and disgusting. Big Brother's agents came and literally stole the baby right from his parents and his screaming mother's arms. Which means that Baby Will is now going to get that surgery and whatever blood Starship Children's Health Sick Hospital wants to put into him whether it's tainted with the messenger RNA spike proteins and whatever else may be in the poison poke or not. Explaining how the process works, one local story said a guardianship of a child takes away the parents' rights to make decisions about what they thought was their child's life. And how's this for a truly Hitlerian spin? Natural News and Ethan Huff says... New Zealand health authorities, in defense of their medical fascism, claim that honoring the wishes of baby Will's actual parents on the matter would, quote, set a dangerous precedent in which patients could demand to pick and choose who could imagine such a thing, where their blood comes from. Why, the next thing you know, they might get uppity and say they don't want the Zyklon B either. Well, New Zealand's already gone down that road. From there we go to more good bad and, yes, ugly, are wrapped into one story. The Daily Mail also has this one, as does the Gateway Pundit. As you might suspect, there's a slightly different slant in the two. Let's start with the British piece, ex-Navy SEAL, who transitioned, yeah, a few years back, from male to female. Well, not really, as it turns out. But he says he's now wanting to transition back and blast the VA, yeah, that's the Veterans Administration, for giving him hormones that began the transition after an entire one-hour long consultation with a so-called therapist and now after the fact he calls that sex change quote the worst mistake of my life at the time as you probably recall cnn the communist news networks and propaganda outlets of the ministry of truth made a really big deal about the first openly transgendered navy seal who changed his name from chris beck to kristen And I have a strong suspicion the waste stream isn't going to make nearly as big of a deal of this transition, although the Daily Mail does get credit for at least pointing it out, as they did the first one. And why? Because he is slamming the so-called trans activists who took advantage of him in his weakened state and didn't give him any actual real counseling, just ruined his life. He came out as trans during an interview with Anderson Cooper, oh, good grief, back in 2013, whereupon Chris Beck underwent grueling facial feminization surgery, but stopped short of a full gender reassignment that would have, well, you can guess, folks, cut off his you-know-what This after he served in the U.S. Navy for 20 years, including on the elite SEAL Team 6, deploying more than 13 times and receiving more than 50 medals and ribbons for his service, including a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star. But now he's turned his attention to young people who, he says correctly, are being propagandized into making what he calls, again, the worst choice of his own life. In a groundbreaking interview with Robbie Starbuck, he said there are thousands of gender clinics being put up all over America. And as soon as kids go in and say, I'm a tomboy, or this makes me feel comfortable, the psychologist says, oh, you're transgender. And then the next day, he continued, you're on hormones, the same hormones they're using for medical castration for pedophiles. Now they're giving this to healthy 13-year-olds. Does this seem right, he asked? This is why I'm trying to tell America to wake up. He explained that when he was starting his own journey of transitioning, he was given just a one-hour-long consultation at the VA office before being offered hormones. Quote, I walked into a psychologist's office. In one day, I have a letter in my hand saying I was transgender. I was authorized for hormones. I was authorized all this other stuff, he said. I had so much going wrong in my system when I started taking those, and some of that, he said, was paid for by the VA, and I'm sorry to the American people I did that. This is a billion-dollar industry, he said, between psychologists. Psychologists, between surgeries, between hormones, chemicals, and between follow-up treatments. There are thousands of gender clinics popping up all over our country, and each of those gender clinics is going to be pulling in millions. And not only that, folks, they're really going to be castrating and sterilizing a whole bunch of kids. How's that for a population solution? If nothing else, it makes very clear how one hand washes the other. In a totalitarian society, jonesing for the end of the world. There's one particularly poignant comment that Chris made in the interview. He is standing up to try to prevent what happened to him from happening to others, especially kids. But he certainly isn't passing the buck and playing the victim, saying, I take full responsibility. I went on CNN and everything else, and that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that.
1: CNN and how they used me, part of my image is, is hurting these kids. And I want to make sure the whole world knows. Everything you see on CNN with my face, do not even believe a word of it. Everything that happened to me for the last 10 years... It's just, it's just horrible. They destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did it to myself. But I had some help. <laughs> Darn it.
0: Which leads me now to the purely ugly and certainly very much related. This comes from Rob Pugh via a piece called Unbelievable from News with Views, who begins by saying that after he reads his daily news feeds, like your host, I think, he often finds himself shaking his head simply saying, unbelievable. But here we go. The Daily Signal recently reported this. Imagine that a progressive American city creates a financial incentive for residents to transition from male to female, or in the other direction, although neither actually works. That's exactly, they say, what San Francisco has just done with a program called gift or guaranteed income for transgender people. Yeah, you want to get free money from the corrupt communist city? Mutilate your genitalia or cut off your breasts and uh, go for it. The gift program will provide a monthly incentive of 1200 bucks for people who choose to transition from their biological gender to the one that they won't be able to function in. Apparently, the media, public cesspools, pools, corporate, and Big Brother-driven propaganda have now pushed so hard on our young people nationwide, writes Pew, that there has been a 4,000% increase in gender dysphoria. That's what it used to be called, folks, when somebody doesn't believe that whether they have an innie or an outie or not has anything to do with their... Uh, gender. In other words, God made a mistake, and they're going to let somebody at least fix it. You know what? I don't even like to put it that way. Let's go with the British expression. They're going to let somebody throw a real spanner in the works. So now San Francisco is literally, what else, incentivizing the perversion, handing out a $1,200 per month gift for anyone willing to try out transgenderism to see if just maybe by cutting off or modifying their genitalia, that might be right for them. As usual, young people are especially targeted for this new program. And as the Daily Signal points out, quote, gender transitioning is now, for many minors, a trend. But unlike goth or grunge, this trend is pretty much not reversible. You can take off black clothing or makeup, folks. You can even have a tattoo removed. But that's not so much the case when it comes to sterilizing cross-sex hormones and disfiguring surgery. But hey, you get 1200 bucks a month, guaranteed. At least up until that city is so bankrupt they have to close their cricket doors. So, he says, how many mathematically challenged, brainwashed young people will fall for this? Time will tell. And maybe the suicide rates will give us a hint before the studies come out. And you already know most of those will be bought and paid for before they're published anyway, don't you? Which leads me to one really interesting observation, folks, about communists. I think it's ironic they don't believe that capitalism, where people receive rewards for good behavior, like producing a product that other people want, have any real effect on society. But they do seem to admit that when it comes to subsidizing perversion, oh yeah, incentivizing that really does work. And speaking of subsidies, same subject, and it's still really ugly. On November 1st, the American Girl doll brand Remember that and uh, avoid them, which is owned by toy giant Mattel, released a children's book, Sick, that urges young girls to, get this, seek out puberty blockers without parental consent so that they can transition into the other gender. It's called A Smart Girl's Guide. How's that for a whopping lie? Body Images. Marketed to kids ages 3 through 12, and it tells little girls that they need to, quote, live comfortably in their own skin, which to Mattel means intentionally destroying one's own endocrine system and then slicing off their genitalia and other body parts. Quote, if you haven't gone through puberty yet, The doctor might offer medicine to delay your body's changes, giving you more time to think about your gender identity, unquote. Obviously, they don't want that little girl's body changing and giving her a chance to see what she'll be missing. And there's also a list of resources promoting various, I'll say it, outright communist, fascist, public-private partnership organizations that children can seek out about transitioning, quote, if you don't have an adult you trust. Next, a story from a once family-friendly American company, now it seems making open war on America and the American family, the openly pagan conglomerate known as Disney. But as the Gateway Pundit story noted, some folks thought it might have taken a hiatus after the new CEO, Bob Iger, same as the old CEO, vowed to avoid continued political controversy. You know, get woke, go broke, and Disney's trying to show you how that works, but At a recent gun control event, Iger basically made clear that the war against all things American is back on. He joined presidential puppet master Barack Hussein Obama and leftist Hollywood actor Matthew McConaughey at what was called a Sandy Hook Promise event in New York on Tuesday to celebrate their gun control successes. And evidently opine on the fact that they haven't been able to completely destroy all American freedoms to defend themselves against their plans. Saying that those of us who are in positions to affect change have a socialist responsibility to go ahead and fight against all things that were once, well, you know, I'll put it this way, part of truth, justice, and the American way. Early in the week, one of the biggest financial fraudsters in world history was arrested in the Bahamas. FTX founder Sam Bankman, the fraudster, was charged with eight criminal counts, including conspiracy and wire fraud, for allegedly misusing billions of dollars in customer funds before the spectacular collapse of his cryptocurrency empire. The indictment, notes zero hedges coverage, includes a number of counts of financial fraud, misappropriation of funds, and so forth. But, notes the story, perhaps the final count is the most notable, and new. It charges SBF with conspiracy to defraud the United States and violate, of all things, campaign finance laws. Why, if only he'd been gay or transgender, folks, I'm sure he'd have qualified for a Biden regime cabinet position. But wait, there's more, and this might even be more revealing, courtesy of Admittedly, left-leaning professor and uh, constitutional scholar Jonathan Turley, who writes that the arrest of Sam Bankman freed yesterday was sudden and unexpected, huh? In light of Bankman Fraud's plan to test the lie before Congress. As he says, a criminal defense attorney, my reaction to the arrest last night remains unchanged. This is the first time that I can recall where prosecutors... I think he needs to put sick after that, have moved aggressively to stop a criminal defendant from making self-incriminating statements. And he says his testimony would have been entirely admissible and likely devastating at trial i previously written, he said how bankman fraud was doing harm to his case by speaking to the media and to Congress, so why would the Department of Just Us, I'm pronouncing it correctly, move to stop this self-inflicted damage? You have a major target who is about to voluntarily testify for hours, which is normally a dream for prosecutors, but somehow this Just Us Department moved in quickly to prevent all of that from happening. I think he's leading in a direction, folks, that we already know, don't we? At this stage, bankman fraud was not charged or in custody, he wasn't protected by Miranda or other constitutional rules from self-incriminating statements. Indeed, he said some of us had already warned that he was causing himself irreparable damage in making such statements. This was a defendant with a large legal team facing possible criminal charges who seemed outright eager to speak about his actions and motivations. Most prosecutors would sit back, make some popcorn and watch all of this unfold. But hey, not the Biden regime, right? The curious move led many to question whether the the Biden regime was eager to prevent questions about bankland frauds, political contributions, and associations. He was, after all, right behind you-know-who, George Soros, the second-highest donor to Democrat causes in the last election cycle. His mother, a law professor at Stanford, also heads a major Democrat campaign fund. But he admits uh, it's at least possible, not really likely, your host notes, that the Just Us department wanted to try to, uh, well, I'll put it this way, Gaslight the public and convince them, against all evidence, that they were moving aggressively to stop this guy, despite his obvious, close Democratic ties. Let's just be honest here for a quick aside, folks. Your host can't help but think, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some FBI agents out there somewhere. Doing some hammering and bleach bidding on some of SBF's hard drives. And maybe cloud data storage, too. Yes, in your host's opinion, folks, I'd have to say, color me more than cynical at this point. Still... All of this does beg the obvious question, why would the Justice Department not want to hear a full account from Bankman Fraud before effectively shutting him down as a criminal defendant? This, he says, is the very first time I can ever recall where the prosecutors, rather than defense counsel, but hey, maybe he's repeating himself, right, have moved effectively to muzzle a defendant. I guess before they produce a whole lot of other defendants, including, arguably, even the Just Us Department themselves. Whatever the motivation, though, the timing of the charges effectively stopped the windfall of information coming from the Bankman fraudster. Basically, he was in a dangerous freefall. And it's almost like the Department of Just Us has changed their tune. Rather than prosecuting innocent people, now they're trying to make sure the guilty ones aren't allowed to say anything that might show Americans just how deep the real perfidy goes. We'll be right back. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am your host, Mark Hall. The Biden-fewer signed the Abomination of Marriage Act, or whatever you know what they call it, Tuesday. Basically saying, if it's antithetical to Scripture, we'll license it, mandate it, and slam it down your throats. Oh, yeah, we'll teach your children about it, too, and maybe even modify their genitalia to fit whatever it is we plan for them next. And we'll call it love. And you know what? We hate you if you don't accept it. But we're going to force you anyway. Of course, if you believe a God that's not welcome in the schools anymore, we hate you anyway. So here's just a bit of the idiocy that he spouted yesterday while signing what the founders correctly called pretended legislation. And by the way, I tried, but I can't promise not to correct at least some of the worst of the whoppers in this thing.
1: Excuse me, because they support LGBTQ children and families, we have to speak out. We must stop the hate and violence. Like we just saw in Colorado Springs, where a place of acceptance and celebration was targeted for violence and terror.
0: Oops, did you notice anything missing there? Yeah, by a non-binary mass
1: murderer. Makes you want to ask, where's that love and acceptance, huh? Was targeted for violence and terror. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they are loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. Yeah, we want to target them with the poison poke, not just if they make it to
0: six months old, but before they even get out of the womb. And once they do, their genitalia are at risk because we're going to inject them with puberty-blocking drugs and get them to surgically modify those things before they even know what they're for. Although, given our druthers, we'll teach them how to use them differently before they're five.
1: Folks, racism, antisemitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. This shouldn't be about conservative or liberal, red or blue. No, this is about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence, a promise rooted in a sacred and secular beliefs.
0: And how's that for a whole pile of unmitigated bull you-know-what? This was FOMC week. As expected, the Fed continued to raise rates exactly as just about everybody expected, half a percent or 50 basis points. But that turned out not to be the big news. And here's where the irony gets thick again. The Austrians turned out to be right again. It never was about saving jobs or the economy, at least for the short term. It's supposedly about saving the fiat almighty U.S. dollar and completing the destruction of the economy in the process. As expected, reads Tyler Durden's summary from Zero Hedge, the Fed hiked rates by 50 basis points but signaled through its projections that it will continue to hike rates higher and longer than the market expects and hold them for longer, too. Furthermore, the projections for economic growth, sick, employment, and inflation all suggest the Fed expects and will guarantee, it seems, a recession. Now, most of the media is obviously still not allowed to use the D word, folks. Still, though, says the coverage... The Fed expectations are notably more hawkish than the market was ready for. And the follow-up story from later yesterday says a stunned Wall Street has reacted to the unexpectedly hawkish Fed, which came out with guns blazing, shaving 25 basis points off of its more recent three-quarter percent rate hikes, largely because of the, well, collapse in economic conditions over the last few months. (laughs) And the claim? Oh yeah, they intend to fight inflation. And given that the supply chain has pretty much been destroyed, some of us might suggest it's a bit late for that now, isn't it? They can hike interest rates all they want, but you know, you can't produce food, energy, or products that people might need out of paper money, or even bits on a computer. The morning after saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average down the better part of a thousand points, S&P 500 off over 113, and the NASDAQ down just shy of 400, which was basically around a 3% hammering, give or take. Meanwhile, though, real alternatives, well, no, not really, fake alternatives like paper gold and paper silver were both hammered in the aftermath. Why? Well, because you're talking paper versus paper and fiat dollars pay more fiat interest. But the disconnect between real silver and gold and the paper that gets sold without limit in the futures market continues. Anything real, in other words, is still going to be over 30 bucks an ounce, just like it has been. No surprise there. And really, nothing's changed. So let's talk about what else is going on, or maybe I should say what's really going on, starting with a quick headline review to set the stage. In Oklahoma, a so-called transgender teen, and notice how they're making a lot more of those nowadays, has been charged with violently assaulting, anybody surprised by this, two female students in a public cesspool, a.k.a. high school indoctrination center, bathroom. No word on whether the assailant has been invited yet to join the high school women's wrestling team. Item, the Davos 2023 World Economic Totalitarianism Forum has announced the theme for the next conclave of the deep state wannabe dictators. Starting around the middle of January, the theme is preparing for the next pandemic, but they still can't spell it right. The ongoing crises in the world, they say, almost patting themselves on the back, called for bold collective-ist action. Gee, tell me something we didn't already know. From Chicago, courtesy of TGP and Mayor Lori Light the Loafer's Lightfoot, is leading a city engulfed in violence. Yeah, gun-free killing zones do tend to be like that. And she wants to hide that from the public, especially, it says, since she's under fire from local media over the latest decision to move away from traditional police scanners to an encrypted radio frequency. Yeah, They don't want you knowing exactly how bad it already is, much less how bad they intend to make it. Local media outlet WGN Channel 9 reported that the Lightfoot regime has refused to meet with members of the Chicago media who voice concern over how this will impact journalists' ability to cover events as they unfold and warn the public about ongoing threats to safety. And as a result, they formed a coalition of, quote, Chicago-area news organizations concerned with this planned encryption, and they're sharing those concerns to raise awareness about how the city's plan will impact their ability to, quote, provide timely, accurate, and potentially life-saving news to you, unquote. Gee, do you mean like how they warned you about the election rigging or the mass genocide of the Zyklon B injections? And by the way, the example they picked to illustrate the danger of what's coming is nothing if not ironic. The letter references a shooting last week at a Chicago courthouse, can you say gun-free killing zone? Right in the police district in broad daylight where the perp fired more than 40 shots and escaped. And the public was not allowed to see, hear, or read about the crime as it was happening because of the new system already in place. Sounds to me, folks, like you can expect to see a lot more of this. Here's one more quick story in the headline review that ought to be another sign of the times. Unfortunately, most folks are not paying attention. Airlines and their infinite mission to balance cost profits, oh yeah, and keep the planes full of ignorant passengers who don't know the risks they're taking, just might now be going a bit too far in their latest attempt to cut back, says Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden. According to CBS News, the industry sick has been quietly lobbying Congress to allow them to use even less of the uh, Zyklon B-injected pilots in the cockpit. Just one now instead of two, as is currently required by Part 1 21 of the Federal Aviation Regulations. Now, your host would say, Hey, why do they bother to pay any attention to that part of the regs anyway? They ignored the part about injecting pilots with untested, not vaccines, didn't they? And that's arguably why they don't have enough surviving pilots to fly what they've still got. So rather than admit that, they just want to double down now and put one fewer pilot in the cockpit. So if the first one dies, hey, now what are you going to do? Oh, I know. Yes, it's because of automation. Maybe the plane will auto land. That is if somebody doesn't remotely hack it and, uh, you know, send it into a building or something. If you're not cynical by now, folks, you're obviously not paying attention. But, hey, you may still be risking your life by flying on a crowd killer. Oh, unless we doubt The Zero Hedge piece ends with this little reminder. Ten days ago, an American Eagle flight from Chicago to Columbus had an emergency when one of the two pilots became incapacitated. The co-pilot, thankfully, was able to gain control of the airplane, declare an emergency, and land safely back at O'Hare. But the pilot later died at the hospital. Hmm. Do you think just maybe he had been injected with the Zyklon
1: B? These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along.
0: Uh-huh. Here's one I'm sure everybody could have seen coming. Time has picked their person of the year. And following in the steps of none other than his Nazi mentor, Adolf Hitler, it's now Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who, by the way, says the Joe Hoft headline at TGP, just shot down the very court that investigates corruption in one of the most corrupt dictatorships on planet Earth. Makes you wonder if he'll now unban a few Ukrainian media outlets to cover his story of glory. There's more news from Brazil, and it's interesting from an object lesson viewpoint. It was all a setup, says another piece from the Gateway Pundit via Jim Hoft. The uprising that the leftist worldwide press tried to sell us almost like another January 6th, involving protesters who supposedly set a bus on fire, turned out all to be former felons dressed as, in other words, impersonating Bolsonaro supporters. Obviously, they're not as good at covering their tracks as America's Federal Bureau of Instigation. Here's their story now that video has emerged showing the so-called presumed infiltrators among protesters in Brasilia on Monday night when five buses and six cars were torched and following the brutal arrest of indigenous leader José Acasio Serene Zavante by federal police in front of his wife and children for the crime of protesting, violence broke out in the Brazilian capital where supposedly, at least, Bolsonaro supporters attempted to storm police headquarters and free Zavante. It turns out it was all a setup. They were all felons, all dressed as, but not really, Bolsonaro supporters. And uh, not so ironically, folks, as real Bolsonaro supporters reported before this, there was already plenty of evidence that the acts were not conducted by actual supporters of President Bolsonaro because they burned a Brazilian flag, which they said is always a strong and respected symbol in every conservative protest in Brazil. The UK Guardian notes TGP was among the leftist rags trying to pull a WAPO and pin the violence on what they called a terrorist far-right movement. In a related story by Fernando de Castro in Brazil, the Supreme Electoral Court and its minister, Benedito Goncalves, has decided to open, what else, an investigation into the actually elected current sitting president, Jair Bolsonaro, accusing him of committing electoral crimes. Have we heard this before? How dare he try to protest an election they stole fair and square? We'll follow that up with another in the continuing saga of stories dealing with will the military in Brazil actually rise up and invoke the constitutional clause saying, hmm, we're not buying this election either. Says Joe Hoff for TGP, there are increasing rumors in Brazil that if troops are going to move, it's probably going to end up being this week. Matthew Turman appeared with Steve Bannon on The War Room, saying, quote, the revolution is still not going to be televised, but if there's a mechanism to bring the military in to stabilize society and prove the fraud, then that's going to happen this week, unquote. Which brings me next to a story of another military that's already been co-opted and also wasn't televised. The army, it says, is investigating at least two so-called officers who wore the Biden regime crooked cabinet czar style Pup fetish masks while in uniform. And yes, folks, that is what at least once upon a time was the United States Army. They've even got pictures online, and they're downright disgusting. Said U.S. Army spokesman Major Jonathan Lewis in a statement to USA Today, U.S. Army Pacific is aware of the content found on social media reflecting soldiers' activities while wearing uniforms. And the incident is currently under investigation because... Get this, and who'd have thought it still was in place, military law prohibits conduct by an officer that disgraces them personally or brings dishonor to the military profession. Well, I guess that means as long as they're not caught, and that seems to be the problem here. Because they've long since dropped any pretext about other perversions, once considered exactly this kind of thing, that they're now mandating and teaching to new soldiers, sailors, and marines. So hey, why not a bit of bestiality too? Photos of the officers wearing various kinds of dog dominance masks while in uniform likely violate Article 133, a.k.a. Conduct Unbecoming. Says Hoff, referring to what is called pup kink, they previously reported on a secret group of pups and pup handlers in the U.S. military that were exposed after a few soldiers, probably at risk of their career themselves, spoke up because they didn't want to cover up anymore. So let's talk about one of the other obvious related stories. Russia is unable to defeat the NATO bloc, admitted a Russian commander, courtesy of the Hal Turner radio show, without using nuclear weapons. So as a result, said the Donbass commander, nuclear escalation is inevitable. Alexander Kodakovsky, commander of Russian forces in Donetsk, stressed that Russia is fighting against the entire Western world, so the escalation of the war in Ukraine, quote, can only be one, that's O-N-E, nuclear. He went on to say, we know our capabilities, we realize the limits of our resources. If NATO countries exceed certain limits, i.e. the dispatch of leopard tanks, they are very close to crossing the red line. And no surprise here either, Vladimir Putin says a related story has renewed his nuclear threat against the West by appearing to ready a nuclear missile for launch in Kozelsk, Russia, very near Western Europe. Footage shows a huge Russian Yars rocket, able to hit not just the UK, but also the US, being loaded into a silo at a base near Moscow. The ICBM has a 7,500 mile range, and when nuclear armed, is reportedly 12 times more destructive than the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. But that's six independent warheads, each half a megaton. And by the way, lest we think it's just right-wing extremist alternative media sites that are talking about the imminence of World War III, even the Daily Mail has reported on this one. Their headline says Russia has readied a second monster Yars nuke for combat as a pro-Putin minister of parliament threatens, quote, a hotbed of all nastiness, maybe London with a missile strike, which seems to have gotten their attention. The damning evidence from the regime's public-private Twitter partner continues to ooze out. Another piece from Jim Hoft and TGP says that Elon Musk has reacted after an organization called America First Legal has uncovered, and I've got to put this word in here, more damning evidence revealing what's already been confirmed. A secret Twitter backdoor called the Partner Support Portal used by Big Brother to censor dissenting views. Not just it would seem on election rigging, but also... Dissenting viewpoints when it comes to the Zyklon B poison poke and COVID-19 pandemic. More damning evidence, it begins, of the collusion between the Center for Death and Control and socialist media platforms to stifle free speech and censor the public has been revealed in the fourth, now, batch of explosive documents obtained from litigation against the Centers for Death and Control, CDC, released by a non-profit organization called AFL, or America First Legal. Twitter evidently allowed government officials and other so-called stakeholders, there's another UN or communist buzzword for you, to use a secret portal called the Partner Support Portal to report anything they wanted to have silenced or that they believed to be misinformation. Back in July 2021, they note, TGP reported on Dr. Shiva Adurai and his investigation, which also had previously uncovered the so-called Partner Support Portal, but of course, say it with me, was called, uh, what's the term? Oh yeah, conspiracy theory, long before it was obviously conspiracy fact. Dr. Shiva discovered that Twitter built their special backdoor and offered it to certain preferred government entities so that Big Brother's officials can flag and delete content that they dislike for any reason, as part of their PPP, a.k.a. Twitter partner status. And now there's even more evidence backing up what is no longer a conspiracy theory. Said AFL in their release, this production also reveals that the U.S. government was actively working to socially inoculate or brainwash the public against anything that threatened its narrative. It did so by using aligned big tech corporations to monitor and manipulate users for the purposes of censoring unapproved information and pushing government propaganda. For example... To Facebook, and I'm pronouncing it correctly, sent written materials to the CDC in which they bragged about censoring more than 16 million pieces of content containing opinions or information that they and the U.S. government, is there really any difference, wanted suppressed. And this one, folks, is so insultingly damning, I've got to read the actual tweet since the pandemic began, they spelled it wrong, of course, we've removed more than 16 million pieces of content on Facebook and Instagram for violating our COVID-19 and vaccine policies. This includes more than 2 million pieces of content removed since February alone. That would be February 2021, folks, during the height of the pandemic. But early on in the propaganda to push the poison poke, when they said we expanded our COVID vaccine misinformation policies, unquote. The documents also reveal that the CDC was collaborating with UNICEF, who? An IFCN member and a leading civil society organization called Mafindo, to mitigate what they laughably called disinformation. And yeah, Mefendo is yet another two-Facebook, third-party, so-called fact-checking partner based in Indonesia, funded by who else? In this case, Gulag. Isn't that amazing? The hand of one fascist public-private partner washes the other. And there's more, folks, and we're going to keep hearing it. But the bottom line is, Orwell was right, again. Following the report, Elon Musk responded and tagged the professor of medicine at Stanford University, one of the heroes in coming out against the tyranny of the poison poke and mandated vaccine that isn't, Jay Badacharya, saying, quote, extremely concerning, unquote. And admittedly, that's a pretty darn big understatement. This next one you've probably heard, which is why I'm putting it a bit closer to the end, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and I guess this is good news even though it shouldn't have been necessary, is now establishing a grand jury through that state's supreme court to investigate the obvious continuing and downright damnably deadly malfeasance involving the rollout of the COVID mRNA not vaccines. I say they're not vaccines, folks, because they're not. They're a modification to people's DNA which reprograms and thus destroys their immune system among a whole bunch of other really nasty Things that have caused an epidemic of what's been called, uh, you've heard it, sudden adult death syndrome. The investigation, though, says the story from Zero Hedge will include the claims of vaccine safety. Yes, it's safe and effective, unless you count all the people that died, which is why we hid the test data. By pharmaceutical companies and the Center for Death and Control, along with the rising number of deadly reactions to the poison poke, including, among many others, myocarditis. The announcement, it says, was made in a virtual town hall style meeting and met with a positive response from those that are still surviving. DeSantis notes the moral bankruptcy, and he's correct, of the scientific establishment in the U.S. during the pandemic lockdowns what with the FedGov and many scientists, sick, that's a real disgusting misnomer, admonishing the public for going outside their homes, even though they actually need, and especially during a pandemic, natural sunlight, because not only is it a sterilizer, it improves the immune system response with vitamin D, while at the same time they supported the BLM protest in which thousands of people congregated on city streets to riot. Stopping the spread wasn't important when it came to the ELM and Antifa riots, but it was deadly important, pun intended, when it came to people walking on the beach or protesting the totalitarian lockdowns. DeSantis, it says, has proven to be a consistent opponent of the lockdowns and mandates, despite Florida's large population, which helped prove the point that the lockdowns were not only pointless, they were downright counterproductive. Unless, of course, you count their real intended effect, which was to destroy the entire United States and now even world economy. There's a related follow-on piece from Dr. Naomi Wolf, who recently spoke at her alma mater, Yale, and uh, basically did not receive a good reception, was kind of disgusted. She called it my day at Yale, and among things that she wrote there, in my speech, which she gave to a very few protesters that were allowed to attend, she said, I explained that the 55,000 Pfizer documents released via a lawsuit by Aaron Siri and his firm, have been reviewed by our volunteer group of 3,500 medical and scientific experts and that they have written, under the leadership of Daily Clout COO Amy Kelly, 48 unique reports. These reports have proven that, get this folks, 77% of the adverse events in the Pfizer documents were sustained by women and that of those, 16% are, in Pfizer's own words, and she emphasizes this, reproductive disorders. Hey, doesn't that sound like exactly the kind of thing that Bill Gates, Big Brother, and the other minions of Satan who walk in men's shoes have been telling us they intended to do for a long time as part of their depopulation agenda? In these Pfizer documents, she continues, there are, as I cried out in my speech, 20 different names for ruining the menstrual cycles of women. Why do they need 20 different names? Ah, all the better to hide the truth. You can bleed all month. You can have two periods a month, or you can hemorrhage viciously, or you can just have agonizing cramps. How could young women compete? Now, remember, she's speaking at a college in scholarly terms. How could they be athletes, I asked, in the face of this certain suffering? And how was this knowing infliction of menstrual damage not, in fact, discriminatory against women? Now, she's speaking to liberals at a leftist college, so that's a good question to ask, not that they'll be able to discern any connection there. And still, though, she says, not a violation of Title IX, which requires an equitable learning environment. The Pfizer documents also confirm, as she said, I shouted to the crowd, as Dr. Chris Flowers has also abundantly proven that both Pfizer and the FDA knew four months before there were any public announcements that the mRNA not vaccine had caused myocarditis in 35 teenagers and young adults in their studies. And she warned the university that to force students to submit to this injection would for certain cause infertility and or horrific menstrual suffering in some of the young women, and that it would for sure cause heart damage in some of the young men she made the case based on both federal and connecticut state law that this situation constitutes human trafficking which doesn't require the victim be transported to commit the crime she's right and so are we all to be angry and we'll close with just a little bit more salt that the transportation sexual abusers have rubbed in the open wound they're now spending almost 19 million bucks on get this non-binary screening systems Because they used to have to manually put in male or female so the naked body scanners could match the observed genitalia. But in communist America, that just doesn't work anymore. So the slaves have to pony up some more fake tax money. Do you think they'll ever figure it out?